You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for matchsticks and gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. Mark, Maddie, Gordy, Michael today. Who's excited to talk Flames hockey? Yay! Okay, that's that time, right? <laughs> Calgary, at home now for three against the Winnipeg Jets. The Flames, by all math, we were talking about math before, and for the record, I was take algebra two twice not because i liked it so much because i didn't like it so much the first time point is flames allegedly need to win 16 of their final 22 games to make the playoffs or kick the fourth spot um anybody think this is happening maddie starting tonight with winnipeg coming in um calgary's fared metza metza against winnipeg this year but um jets are still five and five in their last 10 but are only two games out of first place so uh not exactly a cupcake the flames are coming home to no no, um, I think in a vacuum, I would probably feel like okay about their chances in like this game in general, but uh, like they're not making the playoffs at this point. I don't want to keep playing this pretending game. Yeah. It's just like we have to keep pretending because the math still works out. Like there's still a chance, but like, no, stop it. No. It's like watching a hurricane come up the coast. You'd be like, no, it's totally going to miss us. We're going to be fine. It's going to know. It'll still go out to sea. It's exactly what it's like. Uh, Michael, uh, thoughts on Flames and Jets tonight? Um, yeah, I don't have a ton of thoughts on the Jets. Like, we haven't seen them for a little while now. But, um, yeah, I just want to see some kind of, like, decent hockey tonight. Just after that whole terrible road trip, like, I, I think the Jets will be a good challenge just to see if the Flames have any chance of turning anything around. The Jets are, in my opinion, the best team in the division right now. And I, don't, I think we'll see if the Flames get smoked all three. Like, the season's clearly over. But, like, if they can pull something out, maybe you can have a bit of hope. But, like you said, 16 out of 22 or whatever it is now, it really doesn't seem doable. But I bet you since the Flames, they'll win, like, 14 and miss by three points. And <laughs> Yeah, and they'll have like a three-goal lead in that final game where they need to get in and then blow a three-goal lead in the final like four minutes. It's very flamish. Uh, Gordy, um, you want to put your math skills to the test? They've won 15 games in their first 33. Um, This doesn't look good, right? It's so easy to visualize them making the playoffs just given that every single game is a four-point game. But, I mean, we see the on-ice product every single night, and, yeah, 16 of 22 is not what this squad is going to do. Yeah, and, and it's not like it's going to get easy, too. They've got the three against Winnipeg. Then they got a, a, if you even want to call it a reprieve, I don't know if you can call any team the Flames play against a reprieve at this point with Vancouver. But then they got two against Toronto. Um, Edmonton's also sandwiched in there as well. It's it's not getting any any easier for Calgary. And we just saw, I mean, coming off that last road trip, one in three, uh, not good, Maddie. Like, what, I mean, how do you even size up this team when, Allegedly, you're playing the worst team in the league in Ottawa, yet you are the worst team in the league in Calgary. Yeah, I 
I don't know. I have spent so much time this season, it feels like, just trying to figure out what this team is, what they're supposed to be, and I I still don't have any answers. Um, it's going to be, I think, a fun offseason um, when the Flames, are, I think, are going to have to really regroup and figure some stuff out because I, I don't think there are really clear answers coming so far this season. Yeah, I've got the lines open just to keep hammering on tonight's game. Um, Calgary's top line tonight is going to be Gaudreau, Monaghan, and Lindholm. I mean, at the beginning of the season, I think we all thought that splitting some of the, the spreading the wealth through the lineup was going to work with, you know, two solid guys on each line, and that didn't work. And then everything's just been kind of thrown in a blender, reblended, then reblended again. And now you've got Gaudreau, Monaghan, and Lindholm. But tonight you got Nordstrom back in the lineup. And for some reason, Nesteroff is still back in on that bottom deep pairing. Well, Shillington still sits on the side. Um, Gordy, any thoughts on tonight's lineup and pairings? Um, I don't mind the Lindholm, Monaghan, Gaudreau setup, but I'm still scratching my head at Nesteroff. I think we know what we have. Well, I said, I, not we. The Flames know what they have in Nesteroff. But wh- what about Shillington? Yeah, I, I have not been a fan of Nesterov, and I don't really know why he's getting more games than Shillington at this point because I honestly feel like Shillington is listening to what the coaches are saying to him for once, and I, I thought he's actually been playing pretty okay. But, I mean, that third pairing, I think, has been the, the Achilles heel for the Flames all year. Like, Yusuf Valimaki has not been as good as I think we hoped he would be. Nikita Nesterov is horrendous. Chillington and Mackey are, are okay. So I think they got to find some stability on that third pairing. But I, if I was the coach, I feel like I've seen everything I want to see from Nesterov. I, I don't really know why he keeps getting in as much as he does. All right, to piggyback on your point there about how, you know, Valamaki hasn't been what he's supposed to. And we've all mentioned that Giordano's car is way off the cliff. Um, it's probably hit the first hill on the way down the hill. Um, what about pairing Valamaki with Anderson or, you know, maybe mixing up those D pairings? Anybody have a thought on that where you could get a young kid like Valamaki up with somebody like Anderson who, when he's not stealing hockey pucks, is a good defenseman uh, for the Flames. And then you could drop Geo down with somebody else and make Hannafin and Tanev your top D pairing. Anybody have a thought on that? Yeah, like he's he's good. He's been, oh, he's serviceable on the right side, but he's a left side pairing defenseman yeah. and he plays the right side better than Shillington or Nesterov. So when they when they flip-flop them back and flip-flopping a guy trying to find his way back into the NHL, I like it's just it's just not working how they're deploying their D. I think I think, you know, Hannafin and Tanev are clearly the top pairing. I'd play Giordano a hell of a lot less than they do. And I would, yeah, I would shift Anderson to Valimaki, I think, is a very reasonable pairing to put out. Michael? Yeah, I have nothing to add to that, really. Like, I think we've seen enough at this point in the season to know Gio is a third-pairing defenseman at this point. And although, like you said, Val Mackey's kind of struggled, I'd rather see him playing with Anderson because that will probably be the pairing of the future rather than Val Mackey and whoever and Gio and Anderson. Like, I'd like to see them, at least if this season's kind of a lost cause at this point, see them kind of start figuring each other out at the NHL level because you feel like next year they're going to roll back with Hannafin Tanev for sure, and then probably Val Mackey Anderson. So, yeah, I think at this point you just have to go with the simple decision of kind of settling that four, and then whoever you can kind of fill in that last pairing, like you kind of figure that out later. Um, anybody kind of surprised at this point in the season with Stockton being 
in Calgary, like the entire team and franchise playing there, that we're still getting looks at guys like Josh Levo and Joachim Nordstrom in the lineup where Matthew Phillips and Rosicka and even Glenn Godden, who got his look, they're all in Calgary. They're sitting right there. The Flames are at home. Um, Maddie, I know you love talking about youth. Um, is it kind of at this point in the season like the Flames only have 15 wins? It's not looking good. We can touch upon this a little bit further down the road in this podcast, but is it time to like just send Nordstrom to the taxi squad, let him play in Stockton, and let somebody else take his spot in the lineup? Yeah, I mean, it's got to be. And I, I think I made this point a couple episodes ago, but and you know, like Michael just alluded to, you're playing with house money this season. Like it's basically over at this point, and the big thing is going to be the guys that you're planning on bringing back next season, getting them ready and figuring out that right mix so you can actually be competitive again. And I think a big part of that is getting these kids up and getting them adjusted to this level so that the learning curve um, when next season starts isn't quite as steep. So it's really not going to hurt at this point. So I don't know why they seem so, so reticent to do it. That's fair. Uh, and oh, there's been a lot of talk to you guys about breaking up Sean Monahan and Johnny Gaudreau, and some people are very anti break up Gaudreau and Monahan because they're like, well, look at how good you know Monahan's numbers are with Gaudreau, but then you look at Gaudreau with Monahan, and Gaudreau's numbers with Monahan are terrible. Gaudreau's numbers without Monahan are fantastic. Um, is it time that 13 and 23 finally get a split? And is it not only in the lineup, or do they need an actual split? Uh, maybe a different team for one of them, Michael. Yeah, I, I've been on the trade Monaghan wagon for a while now. Like I just like you said, his he he's an anchor for uh Gaudreau and unfortunately like it looks like at this point, unless we see the Flames ever make a big decision with him, that he's gonna be the reason Gaudreau's eventually out of town is because people like to dump on Gaudreau so much but they don't really see in a lot of cases I think Monaghan, like you said, causes a lot of the issues on that line and I really, like, I had to talk, I wrote about it this week, and I said, like, the Flames are probably going to trade Gaudreau first just because they have the most value to lose if they hold him. But, like, I think if they traded Monaghan, you could see a whole new revival on Gaudreau. But they're, it's, 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 it's past his due date. Like, we know Monaghan's not going to ever turn into anything really besides that guy who finishes pucks that are right on his tape from Gaudreau. Like, it's just, it's unacceptable at this point that they've kind of kept them together, no matter how good they looked at times. Like I, I'm just done with it personally. Yeah. I wouldn't even mind seeing something like Gaudreau, Lindholm, Dubé, like a line like that. I think that line would work because the problem, uh, Gordy, I don't know if you disagree with me, but Gaudreau, he's a point producer. And I think people confuse points with goals. I don't know if Johnny Gaudreau is ever going to be the flames leading goal scorer. He's more of a feeder. He's more the setup guy. Um, and with a guy like Monaghan on his line where it has to be perfect, Goudreau's numbers suffer. Uh, am, am I wrong in that opinion, Gordy, or is, am I sort of spot on? No, 100%. Like, Goudreau's a pure playmaking forward. And he he had his greatest success playing with Lindholm, who's also a playmaking forward, and is fine carrying the puck and driving play himself. Monaghan is a finisher. He's a shooter. He's a bump bumper man. And there's nothing wrong with that. You need a mix on a line. But with how weak I think the right wing of that line has been all year. It's just too easy to cover Sean Monaghan when Gaudreau has the puck. You really only have to shut down two halves or two thirds of that top line 
without a legitimate threat coming from the other side. So I think Lindholm will add, you know, he'll be, they'll get a quick kick, I think, out of him. But I think just like Sutter rejoining this team, all the energy this team generates from change will just fizzle out eventually. Personally, I haven't been too impressed with Lindholm as this center all year anyways, that he was supposed to be the second line center and be, you know, add some center depth depth to this team but i i really haven't felt that he's been all that special in that position this year no and that's a valid point calgary centers have had really struggled this year with the puck the calgary's best center is Derek ryan and it's never good when your bottom six fourth line center is probably your best center michael backland defensively is probably your best center but he's struggled in the offensive end um he's had a bunch of turnovers he's not playing up to expectations of what he should be uh, manny do you have any thoughts on that flames center issues i mean it that was the the knock when again was here. You know, Iggy had no true center to you know to get him the puck, and they suffered. And now the Flames don't seem like they have any center anywhere um, with forwards who need the puck. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's it's and definitely I, a concern. Um, and if they went into the off season trying to, you know, bring in somebody else to help them out, I certainly wouldn't hate it. Um, I'm trying not to go too crazy making really big judgments on individual players based on this season just because like everything is a little bit of a dumpster fire um it's certainly you have to keep it in mind because this is information that we're getting um but yeah i don't know it's the whole mix just really isn't working so to single you know a specific player or handful of players out feels a little like unfair um, but I, I definitely do agree that it's a little concerning. Now, I was looking through today as I was writing the game preview, and I was, you know, I do usually do the the player to watch as you look at their last five games and see how they've done. And sometimes it's a struggle when you look at the other teams. You're like, oh, my God, the Flames, you know, they're playing so-and-so. And say Vancouver only has, like, one guy who has two points in his last five. That has become the Calgary Flames. Uh, the best thing you could say about the Flames so far is, Mark Giordano has two goals in his last four games. Um, Calgary's become that team. Everything seems like it's dried up. And one of the guys who I think is really dried up, who was sneaky quiet because he had four assists and, you know, in an assist in four straight games is Matthew Kachuk. Kachuk, we all thought, I think, would benefit from Daryl Sutter coming in. And Kachuk has just kind of disappeared. And uh, you do hear a lot of people saying that, like, well, it's because he thrives on the fans. He thrives on this. It's hard for him to change his game. Um, look, I get it. He's a professional athlete. But in the last year, everybody working and everybody's life, everybody's had to change how they operate and do things um, like teachers, doctors, police officers, firefighters, people who have much more important things to do in their lives than hockey players. Like, I'm not buying that Matthew Kachuk isn't playing well because the fans aren't there. I think that's a crap answer. It's a load. Um, Michael, what's going on with Matthew Kachuk? I mean, I will say I think part of it is that there is no fans. I, I know you don't like that answer, but like, I feel like you have to look at that as at least a little bit a part of it. Like he's always the guy that kind of rides the energy of the building. It seems like he had his best games when things were kind of going crazy. But like other than that, like it just seems like he's almost, I won't say less interested, but he just doesn't really feel like the same kind of player out there. And I don't know if it has anything, like I don't think it's his line mates. Cause I think he's like, they're all, they should be a good line on paper. Like it's just whatever reason, like his game isn't really thriving in the, division maybe the only thing I could think of possibly is like when he had that concussion in the playoffs last year Mm -hmm. maybe he's had to change his game a little bit on that end just to kind of 
for his own sake, even if it's a subconscious thing, like that's that's all I can really point to is like an obvious reason as to why maybe his game's gone down. But like, I really don't have a better answer than that for you. I'm sorry, Gordy. What do you think? Is it? Do you think it goes back to the the puck flip and then somebody telling him to you know stop being a knucklehead, or is it just who knows? Is he injured? Maybe. Uh, it's it's got to be fallout from that thing. There's nothing more demoralizing than being told off or knocked down a peg by your own brothers or, you know, captain, whatever, however you want to call them. But I mean, to bring up the point that Michael said and that you, you know, minimized a bit is that like, I wonder how much these NHLers really, how much they really put into this year, because we're not going to remember stuff that happened this year. It's a, it's going to be kind of an anomaly blip year that we all forget about in five, 10 years. I mean, like how how real is that Stan or Tampa Bay Cup last year? It's going to be the most forgettable Stanley Cup win of all time, and I just wonder about guys who play with such energy and such clear passion for the game. How much this all truly means for them? Because a guy like Matthew Kachuk has played in front of five thousand plus people probably since he's been fifteen years old, and it's just it's such a demoralizing change of pace and change of game that. You know, it's, I, I wouldn't blame somebody for honestly coming out and saying that they can't find their usual game under these circumstances. That's fair. And, Maddie, uh, you know, Gordy brought up a good point about, like, you know, about him being kind of like, I don't know, the, the term stripped of his manhood for a better, for a lack of a better term, by somebody in the Flames locker room. I mean, is could we look at that game and that incident where somebody told Kachuk to, like, take a deep breath and relaxes maybe where the season really started to turn, you know, it wasn't, you know, the, the amount of losses in a row, it wasn't Jeff Ward. It wasn't the players not respecting him or whatever it was. Could we really look at it as maybe the flames right there? That's when we found out that this team wasn't going to be as special as we thought they were. Yeah, I, I think that's fair, honestly. And I think just in general, this is a weird season. Um, I've been thinking a lot about, something Chuck Fletcher actually said in his like flyers press conference the other day, talking about how the season specifically is seems to be hitting some of the, the young single players harder because these guys are kind of told to isolate when they're away from the rink. So, you know, you go to practice and you see your buddies and then you go home to an empty apartment and you just hang out by yourself all the time, you know, 18 hours a day or whatever. Um, I imagine that's not helping anything. Like if you're already in a little bit of a weird funk and then you just go home and you stay in your own head, like that's got to be compounding some issues for some guys. Um, And I I really wouldn't be surprised to hear if that was kind of the case for Kachuk as well. Yeah, I did read that because I remember somebody, I was reading some of the Broad Street tweets about that where somebody was like making fun of him for one of some of the young players are having those feelings. And it was like, no, it's, it's reasonable though. If you're, Someone with the family, it's sometimes 18 hours by yourself is like the greatest 18 hours of your year. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, we're going to take a quick break here on the Tinderbox. And when we come back, we're going to look at what lies ahead for the Flames. What should Calgary do with the remaining games of the season? So uh, stay tuned for that. And we'll be right back on the Tinderbox. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to The Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. Mark, Maddie, Gordy, Michael, we've gotten... Winnipeg out of the way for tonight. Cal- Calgary plays at 8 p.m. Mountain Time. The Jets are in town for three. Um, now we're going to move on to what do the Flames do with the rest of the season? You know, Maddie, you guys were just talking about how this is probably a lost season. So do we put a lot of stock into like how players are playing or do we really have to look at this like it is? It supports. It's a business. People make money. People lose jobs over these types of seasons, no matter what is happening. Um, Michael, what should Calgary do from going here right now? Daryl Sutter is clearly not going to tank. He didn't come here to tank. Um, do they blow it up? Do they just ride it out and end up with the 17th pick in the draft or, you know, a, a number 10 pick in the draft if they're not good enough? Uh, what what do the Flames do right now? Well, I would say at least for right now, I see them trying to ride out as much as they can these next couple of weeks until like the deadline day pretty much to see if they have any chance of going for it. But once they get to that point, if it's clear they're not making it, I would start to look at doing just like some regular rentals. I don't think I see them making a huge trade, like any big names right away, but I, I see them at least like renting out guys like David Riddick, Sam Bennett, Derek Ryan, I think is going to actually get a pretty good return compared to what some people are projecting. Like I think he's the kind of player a lot of teams would want if the Flames hold back some money. But um I don't know. The only reason I think the Flames have some hope still is that they have something like 14 in their last 22 games at home. And they're playing Montreal like five times in the final three weeks of the season or something. So like that would give them a chance in theory to catch them. But yeah, I think they're just going to try and stay the course until like a few days before the deadline. If it's clear they're not catching up, then I think we see the move start to be made. Yeah, I agree. And I, the three guys you mentioned, I think are three perfect players to move during the season because they're not guys that are going to require massive amounts of players or draft picks or whatever money going one way or another. I don't see them trading any of the, the Gaudreau's, the Monahans, the Backlands, um, even like a Mark Giordano. Cause I don't even know if there's what kind of a market there would be for him at this point. He seems more like a guy, maybe you'd leave unprotected and hope that Seattle takes him um, in the expansion draft. Gordy, what are your thoughts on that? Um, you know, when the trade deadline comes, should they do anything? Or is Daryl sort one of those guys that's just going to, you know, pound the table with these guys and see what he can get for the rest of the year. Um, I, if I were to guess, I would say they haven't, they've probably had talks, but I don't think they're, they're going to leave the decision and the future of this to uh, the point to what the flames are going to be at, at the deadline. And then in all likelihood, when they're very far away from the playoffs by then, I think it, it'll be the same as Michael said, they're going to jettison all their spare parts and, you know, it's not a very good draft, so I don't see them tanking or trying to get a high draft pick. Um, but they've got a lot of 700k one year deal guys. They have Riddick, they have Ryan, like Mike said, and you can get pieces for that. And it's never a bad thing to stockpile draft picks. But I just I have this bad vision of 2015, 16, and 2017, 18, where post trade deadline, the Flames are just it's just the most unwatchable blowout. Like, it's just going to be a, I think it's going to be a sad, sad ride to the end. The only saving grace is going to be when, you know, Matthew Phillips and the squad are going to come up for the last two games of the year. And I mean, that'll be kind of exciting, but I have, I have lost all optimism 
regarding the direction of this team. So, Gordy, what you're saying is you're not excited about the Flames making a deal for a Red O'Bara type player as their big, you know, their big well, movement on trade. Or always adding like a seventh defenseman for no apparent reason at the trade deadline. You're not excited for something like that to happen. Welcome Nick Shore from Ottawa and uh, Chris exactly. Stewart from Waivers. Exactly. Um, Maddie, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, where do you, what, what do you see for the Flames the rest of the way? Besides um, pain. Pain, mostly. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think this isn't a very spicy answer, but I'm pretty much in agreement here. I figure they're going to sell some more minor pieces at the deadline. But I think the big thing is just going to be learning whatever they can from this season as weird it is as it is and then addressing some stuff in the off season i really wouldn't be surprised to see them ship off a core piece you know whatever that looks like because i think it's becoming clearer and clearer that even though it looks like it should be working on paper just something in this mix isn't working okay can we play a quick game that nobody prepared for because these are always the best things to spring on people um, can we do a give me one player on the Flames roster that you would be surprised to see back with Calgary next season, Michael? Oh God, put me right on the spot, hey! <laughs> if you don't want to go. If somebody else has their answer. Feel free. This is this is what's fun about podcasting. We do free form now. We just make it up as we go. Yeah, I would say one guy that like I yeah, like you said, I would be shocked. Besides, like some of the obvious answers, like uh, Bennett or something, like. I don't know. I would personally be surprised to see them bring a Monaghan back next year. I think at this point they're just, they know they need a different setter and like, it's just not working. And I think they're going to explore all avenues before they trade Goudreau. So I would say Monaghan probably. Addy. That's, that's kind of my gut instinct as well. Um, Riddick maybe. Okay. That's reasonable. Gordy. I'll go a little bit more off the board. I'll say Giordano and his six point seven five is just—it's just not going to work anymore. I don't—I think they'll give him a, a retirement buyout type offer this summer. Yeah. I just I, in this in this flat cap, I just I can't see them carrying him again with with how badly his play is dropping day by day. I'm going to go with Michael Backlund, and I hate to say that because he is probably like top three for me on this team. I love Michael Backlund. I love his game. I just. Again, he's making a lot of money, and he's really not producing. He seems to show up for two games, and you get all excited that Backlund's back, and then he disappears again. Um, so I think I would be surprised if Michael Backlund was back with Calgary next year. And as it is every offseason, it was Hathaway and Furlan. I will be sad when Michael Backlund, if he does leave, but I don't see Michael Backlund as a guy that probably comes back um, with Calgary. Um, so now I guess from here on out is, you know, what do you think is going to be left when like, so we'll get past this season. Like I don't, I don't think any of us have grandioso visions for the rest of the season. I think we finish probably, you know, we all think they're going to be about 500. If that probably not, definitely not make the playoffs, maybe deal some spare parts this off season. Where, where do the flames go from here during the off season? Uh, Gordy, do you have any thoughts? Well, I mean, the definition of insanity, as we all know, is doing the same thing over again and, trying to get different results. I think two summers ago, they, they took the big core shifting trade with Hamilton. It worked for one year, same group, just, just can't get it back. Oh, where's my, uh, same. Group, just out. He's, he's, we just traded Michael <laughs> mid podcast, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The same group just can't get it together. I, I, with how 
angry this fan base is becoming, I genuinely see a core shaking trade happening in the off season, just because that's when Brad likes to do his business with the low pressure. So I, I think, I think it'll be a, it'll be a big summer of changes in Calgary provided this is provided everything we've talked about today is the path they're going down for the rest of the season. Maddie, is, is, is Gordy on point with that? I think so. Uh, I really don't anticipate them blowing it up completely and then committing to a full rebuild, um, which it seems like some angry folks on Twitter seem to want, um, even though I can't imagine they would like a rebuild anyway, because that sucks. But I can't see Daryl Sutter sitting in for a rebuild. No. With a no. bench full of 18-year-olds and 35-year-olds. I just don't see that <laughs> happening. No. Okay, Michael, uh, now that you've uh, joined us back, we traded back for you. We traded you another podcast, and now we've, we've pulled you back. Um, we've just been kind of going over, like, what do, you, what do you see the Flames doing? Like, you know, everybody seems to think there's going to be a couple big names traded. Um, is, they have to, right? Yeah, I think, like, there will be a domino to fall this summer. You know, I'm, let's go crazy. Let's go get Jack Eichel or something. That's kind of the point where I'm at. Like, if they're going to tear it down – I would rather they just go to the point where it's like they're going to tear down everything. But like, I think to do that, like, I think they still have to give it one more chance. And I think that's where you trade Monaghan. And then once the Flames win the draft lottery, you know, you throw the first overall there. And uh, I think you get Jack Eichel. That's the only way I think you can really approach this offseason where they'd come out ahead. Other than that, I think you're looking at tearing it all down. But, like, no matter what, the Flames are going to have some money, it looks like, this summer. Like, the only really decent guys they're going to have to resign are Dubé and Val and I think they're not going to be more than a couple million apiece. So I think if you look at next year, the Flames could make another big signing if they wanted to, but like I don't know exactly where they even go with that. But no, I'm on the sneak jack Eichel out of Buffalo in a duffel bag kind of summer for me. I don't even think you have to sneak him out of Buffalo. I think he'll be like standing on the side of the highway with his thumb, like waiting on I-90 to get out of Buffalo, like to get anywhere. Calgary probably seems like a viable option at this point because Buffalo's just so bad. Uh, you know, like I think we mentioned, we were talking about it, like when when you fire your head coach and then there's a picture of the coach and the GM having a beer afterwards, like, thank God this is over. <laughs> like that just tells you everything you need to know about Buffalo. Um, I guess we could probably riff on that for a couple quick minutes. Does Calgary have enough to get Jack Eichel out of Buffalo? without bringing Jack Eichel here to play with nobody. Gordy, what do you think of that? Did they uh, I think, Calgary? Oh, go ahead, Michael. I was just going to say, like, I I don't know. My my only thoughts, like, maybe if they get a little lucky in the draft lobby or if their pick's, like, kind of in that top 10 range, maybe that would be enough of an extra add. I think Monaghan would obviously be, like, the main NHLer going back. But I think between that and – if you're bringing in Eichel, I think you kind of have to look at some of your top prospects, like a Peltier or a Zari, or even a Peterson, who's been playing well for soccer. Like, I think you just look at that and you say, like, screw it, we have to go for it if he's actually available. And, like, I think they do have the pieces based on what it sounds like Buffalo wants, but it would be one of those pieces if the trade blows up in your face, like, you have to tear the whole franchise down to nothing. But I think they're at that point anyways where they need that move, that if they screw it up, they're tearing it down. Because, like, the upside is just so positive if he can fit here. So, yeah, I think the pieces are there to answer your question. Okay, Cordy, um, do you agree with that? Because it kind of seems like Buffalo, if they're going to trade Jack Eichel, that's clearly a we're giving up. We're starting from scratch. So they're not going to be looking to be like, okay, you want Eichel, fine, but we want Gaudreau and Kachuk and whatever, the, the, you know, a pile of players 
because we want to make a run. If they get rid of Eichel, they're clearly throwing in the towel, right? Yeah, it's it's such an ugly, ugly organization and how they how they're playing right now that I don't think anyone would be too angry at a Jack Eichel trade in Buffalo. You know, provided he got traded and you know he puts up six or seven hundred point seasons, they might feel differently. But I'm I'm under the the Michael umbrella where I would essentially move anything to get Jack Eichel because I think he's a game breaker. He's a franchise talent, which I, I don't think the Flames, in all honesty, have a franchise player. Um, so I would I would move what it took within reason, given the opportunity. I just I just don't think with Calgary's history of trades, they're just they're they're never going to be in that final two or three team contention to get him. It's just just how they operate. And he's, I mean, nobody has ever made $9 million or $10 million or whatever he makes in Calgary. That would be a big factor as well. The flames will just end up being, uh, they'll end up being somebody that gets used in the process to just up trade value from somewhere. Maddie, um, you, would you be happy with Eichel coming here if possible? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, he's an outstanding player and I think you'd be crazy to turn that down. Uh, I did just want to add, this is also, it seems like a weird season where when you're going to make trades like draft capital as an asset seems to be not as valuable this year, just because of the number of leagues either not playing or having not played full seasons. Like there's absolutely no consensus on what the, you know, first round should look like. Um, And it seems like teams are less interested in, getting picks for this year. So um, it uh, certainly makes negotiating a little bit more difficult than usual, which is a fun quirk to this weird season. Yeah, exactly. Because trading during a pandemic isn't, you know, hard enough, but I guess the league has talked about, or Canada at least has said, but now they're going to cut the quarantine down to seven days. So that makes at least trading. If you were going to trade potentially slightly easier. So that's good. Um, one last thing I want to hop on real quick. I've noticed it a lot on Twitter lately, and, it's because, and you know, Twitter is the, the cesspool of the internet news cycle. But the the visceral almost dislike for the Flames trade of Dougie Hamilton, Michael Ferlin, and Adam Fox to Carolina blows my mind. I understand Adam Fox is playing very well. Okay, I get it. But Fox was never going to sign with Calgary. He was never going to sign with Carolina. Okay, he was never in people like they needed to get more for Adam Fox. They weren't going to get any more for Adam Fox because Adam Fox was not staying in Calgary. So does anybody else find this like absolutely like I'm like Lindholm and Hannafin have been perfectly fine. I think Calgary still wins that trade, but I don't get this all of a sudden dislike for the trade because Adam Fox is playing well. Is anybody else seeing this? Because it's just kind of like made my head explode a couple times. Yeah, it's like a, a weird FOMO that people are getting, but like. He was always going to end up with the Rangers, so getting any return, like you said, is great. But I get that, you know, it's sad. Like, we want all of the good things, and it sucks that the thing that we sort of had for a little while is now doing well elsewhere. But, like, it it just isn't really working that way. I can go out on a limb here, Gordy and Michael, and say Adam Fox is probably not going to turn out to be Doug Gilmore or Brad Hall, right? Or Martin St. Louis. Like it's not it's not that big of a deal, right? Well, he looks like the defensive version of those guys so far, so I'm I don't know if I can <laughs> say that yet. He's he looks he's almost a point per game as a defenseman. 
and he's like 20 23 like that's pretty crazy but i guess we could look at return calgary at least got more in return on that deal than they got on any of those other deals how's that can we yeah. let's, let's go with that <laughs> you're for sure right in that fox was never coming here so it's a moot point but it's yeah. also sad to think you stole a defenseman of that caliber in the third round and never ever get to reap the rewards from that especially if you trade your superstar forward that you got in the fourth round right michael yeah exactly oh my gosh no i i just want to jump into like what you said on the trade there like yeah i see these people on twitter who are like oh my god dougie hamilton's got like a point per game this year or whatever or like yes he's been good but i'm pretty sure nobody was really like talking too much about him like the 2018-19 season when lindholm was putting up i think what mid-70s in points like and now that we see Noah Hannafin seems to be at least so far looking like a first pairing defenseman this year with uh, Chris Tanna, like I think it's it's gonna suck, but like the Flames ended up getting rid of two guys who didn't want to be here, and they have two. And Lindholm's like a top six center or forward at the very least. I think we can agree on, and a potential top pairing defender in Hannafin if he can keep this up. Like I think you have to look at it, like at least they didn't get hosed and just take like a second round pick that turned into a nobody for Fox or something like that. Yeah, and at least with Hamilton gone, at least the Flames don't have to force feed Lindholm's brother or Hannafin's brother into the lineup for no apparent reason. All right, that's going to wrap it up here on this episode of The Tinderbox. If you enjoyed this, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Just search Matchsticks and Gasoline or The Tinderbox, and you will find us there. You can find us on Twitter at MatchsticksCGY, on the internet at MatchsticksAndGasoline.com, and is spelled out A-N-D, and on Facebook, Matchsticks and Gasoline. Gordy, Maddie, Michael, thank you so much for coming on this afternoon and talking some wonderfully happy, uplifting Flames hockey. We will catch you next time on the Tinderbox.